Thank you, Reverend Serena, for welcoming me into this community and into this worship and especially uh, into this pulpit. And thank you, Verger Beverly, my beloved friend of many years, for connecting us all today. Yeah. I come to you from Asheville in the Diocese of Western North Carolina, and I bring with me a small object today as a, a little uh, show and tell for this message. Um, I have kept this in my desk for years. It is a keepsake from a retreat that I went to many years ago. And during this retreat, the leaders sent us out on a morning hike, a quiet hike, and told us to bring back a small rock. And then they told us to tie string on it, and for the rest of the day, we talked about plumb lines. A plumb line. You have the plummet, metal or stone or clay, and, a, and it is a simple weight hung from a line to tell you if something is perfectly vertical say in the building of a wall, or a door jam, or a window. You want things to be without any tilt so that they will stand firm for a long time. These days they use lasers, but I keep my trusty plumb line in my desk. The plumb line is mentioned several times in the Bible. It is mentioned in, uh, in building new walls and in determining what parts of walls need to be demolished and repaired because they are no longer in plumb. In reading this um, opening to the letter to Colossians, I was so struck um, by Paul's inclusion. Of course, Paul's always more wordy than uh, Jesus, but his inclusion of the great commandment um, in, in the opening of this letter. And so I just want to, you know, magnify that for you before we get into, into the gospel. And so Paul in this opening says uh, that he prays for them and that he prays that they will lead lives worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to God. In other words, love, the God, with all, love God with all your soul. And then he says he prays for them that they will be filled with the knowledge of God's will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. In other words, love God with all your mind. And then he prays that they will bear fruit in every good work, their strength coming from God's glorious power. In other words, love God with all your might. And then he prays that they will have patient endurance in difficult times and that they will give joyful thanks always to the Father. Love God with all your heart. Love, 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 love God. That's your plumb line for living a life that is given to God. And then we move into the parable of the Good Samaritan, which, is, which covers that second part of the great commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. And so this lawyer asked Jesus what, he, what the plumb line of his life should be. You know, Jesus, what is, what is my plumb line and, and what will save me from darkness and transfer me into God's kingdom? And Jesus helps him figure it out for himself, and his answer to his own question is, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your might and your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. 
Well, that's a good plumb line, Rabbi, but what exactly do we mean here by neighbor? Neighbor is someone who lives in your neighborhood, right? Usually um, at least uh, part of your culture, part of the foundation of your environment, your context. Your neighbor shares vegetables with you in the summer and fruitcake at Christmas, right? A neighbor watches over your house and collects your mail and newspapers for you when you are out of town. Good neighbors are people who live near each other, help each other out, and get along. And so Jesus launches into this parable. The story of three men walking down a road who see the beaten, half-dead victim of a roadside robbery. Now, the road from Jerusalem to Jericho was notoriously dangerous. It is an 18-mile stretch of steep, rocky terrain filled with blind curves and hidden caves. In Jesus' day, it was called the Bloody Path. It was a place of fear. The Jewish priest sees the victim, who we can safely assume was also a Jew, And he crosses over to the far side of the road and scurries along. And then a Levite, an ecclesiastical lawyer, if you will, comes along and does the same thing. How could they? Well, their plumb line told them to. They both were closely associated with the very heart of Jewish worship, the proper worship of Yahweh in the temple. And to touch the dead or almost dead would compromise their cleanliness and defile them and make them unable to fulfill their duties. Their plumb line was adherence to the interpretation of their law, and their plumb line was also their fear. Fear is probably underneath a lot of plumb lines. So then this Samaritan comes along, a man of Samaria, a region and a people that the Jews disdained. Samaritans had long ago been Jews who intermarried and assimilated into a foreign culture and religion. They were once part of the good wall that Yahweh had built, but now they were a people whose life and worship in the eyes of the Jews were a travesty against God. They had gotten out of plumb, a part of the wall that might as well be demolished. As we then know, the Samaritan sees this man half alive, stops and goes to great lengths, and Jesus goes into great detail about what he does for the man's care. Who is the true neighbor? Well, not the one who uses one plumb line in relationship to God and another completely different plumb line in relation to people. And so certainly part of Jesus' point is that there is one plumb line and only one plumb line that we are to live by that informs and rules and guides all of the other lesser plumb lines that we use in our lives. Love of God and love of neighbor, and they are joined as one. It is the command to love that is to rule us, that is to keep us in line, in plumb with God and with our true selves, who God means us to be.
I've just recently retired from my last call. I'm only 36 years old, but I've just finished 30 years of ministry. <laughs> Yay. Um, and my last call was in Asheville. It was a halftime position, um, and it was as the vicar of Church of the Advocate in downtown Asheville. Now, I'm an ordinary priest, a parish priest, who except for this last call, I have served in parishes and parish schools that fit the norm of the Episcopal Church. If you go to the canons, uh, both of the national church and your diocese, what you would read about what a parish is supposed to be and what a priest is supposed to do, that's what I did. The Church of the Advocate, also called the Red Door, is not a normal self-sustaining parish. It is a worshiping community that depends upon the diocese and the churches and the grants and the gifts and the donations of time and talent and leftovers so that its red door can be open to welcome all people with a special ministry with those who are unhoused and underemployed. It's been in existence since 1997, and it keeps chugging along. Well, today, if you stepped into the red door, um, you, for a worship service, you would sit with people who struggle every day for food and for medical care. Um, they struggle for a place to lay their heads down and close their eyes. They suffer with addiction and mental illness. And they share incredible wisdom and a deep, deep spirit. You would also sit with people who have nice homes and plenty to eat, but who love the Red Door community because they encounter Jesus there in a way that keeps them coming back. It has been such a blessing to be there. Well, because of the gener generosity of the parishes in our diocese, Advocate is able every week to offer hot meals, shoes and socks, new underwear, daily personal supplies, counseling, and medical care and referrals to the least of these. And also to offer them a safe place inside where they can rest and receive and feel safe. So during the COVID shutdown, I don't know about you, I did this, a lot of us decided it was a great time to clean out our closets, right, in our garages. We couldn't go buy anything new, couldn't get out. So closets got cleaned, and because of this, Church of the Advocate received an amazing amount of gently used coats and shoes and clothing and sleeping bags and camping supplies that had been forgotten for years in the garages. And so, um, I think I've lost a page. That's why I'm retiring. <laughs> um, uh, so, so during this time, we received these huge, large plastic bags and boxes of, of all of these items uh, in a way that we'd, we'd never received such a bounty before. And so one day I was there during the weekend, I was sorting out 
um, the donated clothing from these giant bags and boxes. And I pulled out coats with the label of Orvis or L.L. Bean or Brooks Brothers. And at one point, I pulled out this coat. It was longer than all the rest. I kept pulling. And it was a a man's full-length coat that was the thickest, softest, silver-gray cashmere that I have ever seen. And I put it right up to my cheek. And it felt so good. It was incredible. And I know how warm cashmere coats are. And its label told me that it was made in Paris. Now, when it rains, the clothing of those who are unhoused, who are sleeping in tents or under bushes or in doorways, um, everything gets wet. And so without a way to wash or dry their belongings, they end up, uh, after a good soaking rain, just having to discard everything and start over, especially heavy water-soaked coats. And then they come back to us looking for a replacement. My first thought was, as I held that plush softness to my cheek, was this gorgeous coat is too good for our coat rack. It would be better to sell it and give the money to the poor. And I recognized my thought as the words of Judas Iscariot, who said the same thing about the expensive nard that a woman used to anoint Jesus' feet. And so I reached for a hanger and hung this coat up with the rest on the rack. The next week, one of our regulars, his name was David, 50-year-old man, he suffers from dissociative disorder and alcoholism and is often unhoused. He came around the corner inside the building wearing this silver cashmere coat, which had been on the rack. Now, this guy, David, he often reads scripture um, during our worship service and leads our prayers. He has a well-trained baritone voice, so he provides music leadership and moving solos. So he wasn't a stranger to me, per se. But he came around the corner, and he had his, his chest was out, and he said, Hey, Vicar, how do I look? Now, he has a sense of style, and he always looks uh, for clothes that will make him feel good about himself. And I wasn't surprised that he was the one that got this coat. And I said, David, you look like a million dollars. Now, it would not have been a bad thing at all for me to have placed that coat in an upscale consignment shop, probably gotten a few hundred dollars for it, and been able to buy more practical items. But what I think God wanted me to experience was the replacement of one plumb line with another in a more radical way that I could recognize because plumb lines can be very, very slippery. The plumb line that first informed my thoughts about this coat was that it is a fine article of clothing created for a certain type of clientele who purchase such finery, yes, to be warm, but so as to be in plumb with the context in which they live and the image they strive to uphold. And I felt like I witnessed that fine coat die to its old self.
and be reborn, to exist extravagantly in the hands of God, who gives it to a beloved one who, yes, needs warmth, but also who needs for someone to welcome them and look them in the eyes and learn their name and offer them love and dignity in a tangible way. What could be too good for that? And also, for this one special man who deserves to have a moment of delight and pride in self by having scored such a good coat. Plumb lines. We use them all the time in our decision making, and Jesus calls us to have one plumb line, to live more and more and more in accordance with that, and to test all of our other plumb lines by this one that he has given us. And he also tells us not to be afraid. Love, 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 love. The gospel in a word is love. Love the stranger as your neighbor. God is love. Please sing it with the choir. Love, 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 love. The gospel.